I spent the last three years learning from some of the most ingenious mergers and acquisition specialists around. And now I've decided to take the leap into buying businesses. The real questions are how will I do it? How much of the behind the scenes can we really show? And how can business owners like you maximize their purchase price and build generational wealth? This show is going to give you the answers. Join me and follow along as I share mine and other stories as we buy, sell, or merge healthcare businesses and physical therapy practices. I'm Dave Kittle, and this is The Dave Kittle Show. Hey, Dave Kittle here, owner of Concierge Pain Relief Home Physical Therapy in New York City and the CEO of the Fieldmaker Group. We're currently speaking with practice owners and acquiring practices in the New York and New Jersey area. And today we have my colleague, Jamie Schreier, back on the show. And if you missed his first episode, Jamie is a physical therapist, previous multi-site private practice owner, author, coach, consultant, and speaker, and much, much more. And Jamie helps physical therapy practice owners and healthcare business owners treat less and earn more. And we covered in his first episode uh, a little bit more of his book and the Practice Freedom Method, the Practice Owner's Guide to Working Less, Earning More, and Living Your Passion. Jamie, welcome back on. Thank you, Dave. Happy to be back on the show. Excellent. And today's title, How to Make 2023 Your Best Year Yet. And I think with our physical therapy colleagues and other practice owners in, in or around healthcare, I think when we hear something like that now in the fourth quarter of 2022, I think most practice owners it's easy to just jump forward and think about immediately what's going to happen, what we're going to do next year. Is that usually the first step or should we pause or reflect back on where we've been this calendar year? Well, I mean, first of all, I think it's important just to take a breath and realize that whatever we set the path to do, there's a higher probability of achieving it than if we don't set any path. And I know People are very busy right now. The word overwhelmed comes day in and day out to me. Jamie, I'm overwhelmed. I'm just overwhelmed. Like we have so much coming out of state. I mean, between the ads, between the emails, between life, the political landscape, the what's going on in the world. Like there's just so much coming out of us. It's just hard to even just take a breath to be like, okay, let me just gather my thoughts and then figure out, okay, next year's coming, whether we want to or not. So what do we have to do to best prepare? So I think that's really the the first place that I think people, owners especially, just need to appreciate is the fact that this is tough. There's a lot of things happening in us. We've been through a lot in the last couple of years. And um, still, if we're going to make next year the best year ever, it's not going to happen by magic. It's going to happen by, well, some of the things that we that we talk about today. Excellent. So in the pre-interview, we we're talking about reflecting back, and there was three specific action items or or questions that you help your current practice owners and your current clients with. So can we jump into those? Yeah. So in my business, in Practice Freedom U, we have this this term called debrief, and a debrief is just like you know we debrief a meeting. You reflect back, you discuss about it. So when I look at looking at kind of how are you going to make next year your best year and how to make it a great year, the place to start is by looking back the previous year. So there's three broad questions I like to ask. 
the first question that you want to ask yourself is, what were the three biggest successes, the three biggest wins that you had last year? Think back. What really stands out? Obviously, if there's more, write them all down, but at least have three. What were the real big ones? I mean, it could be, you know, maybe a, a couple major hires that you had. Maybe you you hired a clinical director that you never had. Maybe you took a vacation for two weeks and you've never taken a vacation more than three days before. Maybe it's you hit a, a revenue goal or or a, or you opened up another location or you started another uh, service line and you're you're now working with another audience or or something. But what are those three biggest things? Another way to look at it, you can ask yourself, Dave, you could say, what am I most proud of having accomplished last year? What am I proud of having completed last year? I like the word accomplished better than completed, but think of it like that. Like when you look back, what are you most proud of that you did? There's a couple of reasons why I'm asking this question first. One, it gets you into a positive mindset. With the world hitting us left and right, most of the stuff that's out there is negative. We all know that. Negative news sells. We all stop and watch the train wreck. It's important to get our mindset into a positive place. And we do that by focusing on our wins and our successes. So looking at it from that perspective is where you absolutely want to begin. And even if it's a revenue target that was hit, I mean, that's that means you're helping more folks in your community. So it's okay to even have some financial wins and some financial benchmarks that you're, you know, you're happy about. I hope one of your your wins is financial. I mean, it would be great to say you've made more money than you ever have. What a great accomplishment. Look at look what all of that says about what you're doing and how you're doing it if that's the end result. It doesn't define who you are, but let's get real. I mean, we're in, we're, we're not a non-for-profit business. We're a for-profit business. So that would be a great success. I, I love it when my clients tell me, Hey, I made more money than I ever did. I go, that's fantastic because I know what it takes to actually do that. So yeah, don't shy about that one. Absolutely. And then, so then next, can we cover wins, struggles and lessons? Well, the next one is really about your biggest failures. Look, we all have failures. We all have huge struggles that we've had in the last year. So you want to write down what are your three biggest failures, biggest catastrophes? I mean, the worse it is, the more it's exciting to talk about it. Like, where are your biggest struggles over the last year? So list all of those and then choose the three biggest ones. But then the follow-up question here, Dave, is key. It's, so how did you handle this failure? It's so important to then write down what you did. So I remember in my own failure when I used to do this, it was I lost three staff this year, three key staff. You know, I created a, a running program and it flopped. And I lost tons and tons of money developing this program. It could be we got killed with, uh, with, with, um, we lost 9% on one of our insurances like Medicare, which takes a 
70% makes up 70% of our uh, referrals and new patients. Like, what were your failures? But then put on next to it. So what did you do? How did you handle this failure? Because there's going to be a lot of gold there of how you handle this thing. So that's number two. First one is successes, wins, and the next one's failures. Then the third question to start this review, you know, this how to make next year your best year yet is, so looking at everything that you've done, everything that you've learned, what are the three biggest lessons that you learned last year? And in this case, you want to be really specific. Describe how these lessons will help you in the upcoming year. So identifying those lessons as specific as you can, and then how these lessons will help you. So look what we're doing. We're reflecting back on the last year. We're solidifying our successes. We're bringing to the forefront our struggles and our failures, determining how we handled those failures, and then extrapolating the lessons we're learning from last year and then using that of what we can do for the upcoming year. That is a powerful way of starting your strategic planning for this year and will help you to avoid, A, the same mistakes, but also help you to catapult to make some incredible gains for the upcoming year. And then so where they're at with this, does it help with writing it down, documenting it? typing it into a Google sheet? What are some just side notes uh, to best help a practice owner think about maybe almost like journaling or, or, or documenting these components if they were going to actually take action, listen to what you're saying and answer some of these questions? Not just think about it while listening to this show or this podcast, but actually writing it down, documenting it, putting it out there. Yeah. So I'm old school. I still have my old trusty pen and I have my journal. And I'll, I'll do this exact exercise and I'll journal, you know, thinking about these questions, writing some notes down. And then what I do is I look over my journal notes and then I apply them to a document. So the question will be, what are my three biggest wins? I'll put what my wins are. Why did I choose those wins? Like really get my thoughts out to start creating something that then I can house and be able to use. So I get a little old school with my writing down in my journal and then a little more using technology of putting this in a Google Doc and then, of course, filing it under year review, like my practice, you know, my yearly practice planner um, is what I do. So that's that's kind of how I do it. Um, you know, some people will record themselves like they like using a, a recording and and then some people are really technologically, they'll record themselves and then they'll have it transcribed and then they'll use the transcript as something that they can use to then start, you know, creating their plan for next year. So the bottom line is, yeah, thinking about it is nice, but you got to put something in writing and you don't want to rush this. Don't do this in the middle of two patients. Really block out some time to really think about your business, think about and reflect upon, you know, one of the things I like to do is I do my best thinking when I'm taking like walks in the neighborhood, I'll just, you know, post this question, you know, what, looking back, what were the three biggest things I'm most proud of last year? And I'll just talk into my phone 
and then I'll listen to it, write it in my journal, expand on that, and then put a nice clean version in my, uh, you know, my Google Doc under practice plan or yearly practice planner or something. Got it. And then in regards to a common theme that you might see or or consider with your clients when they're thinking about their wins, their failures or challenges or struggles from this past year, and also documenting the lessons learned, is there any common theme you see with your practice owners that you help in regards to when they're looking at their past year, looking at the challenges, looking at their struggles? Is there any common theme that you see where those folks or the folks that maybe excel the fastest or grow the most efficiently or whatever, do they usually look at those challenges and those lessons and make improvements or repairs on the practice and and improve the practice by hiring talent to to make sure that those things don't happen again versus themselves covering up the patches and fixing, you know, fixing the challenges in the practice. Is there, is that something that you see with your practice owners, your, your clients? So it's an interesting question you're asking because your initial question is different than the last question you just asked. Your initial question is, what do you see when people do this exercise? Is there a common theme? So with that question, the answer is yes. And the common theme is people are too vague. They're too vague in what they're actually writing. They gloss over stuff. And if it's vague information you're putting down, it's not really usable. So you want to be really specific, highly detailed. So what was your biggest failure last year? You know, biggest failures, we lost, you know, a huge insurance contract and we lost, you know, 30 grand in in profitability. Be more specific. Like describe more in detail what happened. Because the more you do that, the more it's going to be beneficial to you. So that's kind of what I heard you ask in the first part of your question, Dave, because that is huge. Because a lot of us are doing this as like a a homework assignment. I hate saying the word homework assignment. I do that sometimes with clients. It's like, all right, so your homework assignment is to do this. I'd rather say, block out some time. Like really think about this stuff. It's not how much we can do that matters. It's what we actually do and the results we get. And if we try to run through this, like we run through other stuff, you're going to miss the key points. You're going to miss the key lessons in doing this. Now, to address your other question, your other question is more of, so if you do determine some of these struggles, what are typically some of the solutions or what are typically some of the reasons why people struggle Well, I think, you know, I won't say the number one, but certainly up there, one of the top three reasons that people struggle is because we're overwhelmed. We struggle because we have too many things going on. And the number one thing that we teach, right? This is like, when you come in, this is going to be one of the top things we do, especially if you're in a business that's a little more established and there's a lot on your plate is we have to offload some things. Because if you don't have time to work on the things that you need to do to to improve your business, then learning more is not going to help you. It's going to frustrate you because you're going to learn more of what you can't actually implement because you're too darn busy putting out fires. So however you need to offload that, it could be hiring somebody. It could be offloading it to an existing person that works for you. It could be hiring someone from Fiverr or Upworks. It could be maybe the thing you need to offload 
you just need to get rid of. Like you don't even need this thing anymore. Just get rid of the whole thing. But that always is a key factor in giving yourself time, which then allows you to do some of this deeper work. So the the component there of of delegation, because a lot of the private practice owners, maybe they're solo or they've just been used to manning the ship for so long and just spinning so many plates, right? So like they'll hire a coach like you that can help them in a lot of different ways, but one, it would definitely be delegation. And that's kind of what I was mentioning about that question. Like if they're having some of these challenges or, or failures or struggles, then oftentimes the resolution would be then delegating certain of those challenges or those those areas that might have been a challenge because you don't have someone in place, right? Like a specialist or some a role that's like delegated for a, a specific component, whether it's marketing, whether it's like you said, a clinic director, et cetera. Exactly. I mean, you know, a great exercise would be, you know, you're looking at this this person that's been in practice, let's say five years or seven years, and you ask the question, so what do you do in a given week? And they give you like three different things. And then you say, well, okay, I know you treat in patient care and obviously you document, but be more specific. What exactly do you do? And when you get people actually writing down specifically what they are doing hour after hour, you realize, first of all, there's a lot of stuff there that's just wasting time. There's a lot of things there that actually aren't good use of their time. They're doing $5 activities when the owner's worth $250 an hour or more. So it's getting consciously aware of what you actually do, like where your time goes. Because it's really easy to say, oh my God, I'm overwhelmed. Oh my God, I'm so busy. Oh my God, I have a lot of stuff. By the way, we do the same exercise when we're teaching owners actually how to do this with their staff. When they say they're so busy, when you start asking these specific questions and they start writing down, you realize actually there's actually a lot of time. There's a lot of time available to work on the key things of your business. But we don't organize our time very well. Most of us don't use a calendar, anything more than there's patients on our schedule or not patients on our schedule. But we're not blocking off time, not chunking time in our schedule. So everything just starts running together. And that is really inefficient way of using your time. And it creates your your thinking of the solutions you come up with. It makes it really dangerous to some of the solutions you're coming up because you're not going to be very good because you're just reacting really quickly to come up with a solution, which then leads you down even a worse path. So really slowing down, I think all of us as, as practice owners, we need to slow down if we really want to move our our business forward. And that means taking a very hard look at where we're spending our time and asking the question, is this the best use of our time? When you see practice owners making some of these decisions to do $5 an hour, $15 an hour tasks versus something $200, $250 per hour worth or value for the practice, what would be some of those things you see like social media posting, editing their website, I don't know, collecting copays, running credit cards. Like what what are some of the things that you see practice owners performing when they're writing out like what they're doing on an hourly, hour by hour basis when they first start working with you? I've done this exercise hundreds of times and it seems to be a common theme. I kind of split it into high energy activities and low energy. High energy would be things that when you're doing them, they actually give you energy. You really enjoy doing these. 
Low energy would be things like you're incompetent in or you're competent in. You don't mind doing, but you don't really get energy from it. So what are the type of things that we like to do Well, or don't like to do? Well, bookkeeping is always one that comes up. You know, documentation comes up sometimes. You know, if someone's still answering phones and doing some of those activities, that pops up. Certain aspects of marketing pops up, you know, social media, maybe doing blogs or posting the blogs on social media comes up. So anything around administrative, I mean, heck, going to Costco to get paper towels is ridiculous or ordering supplies. You see, all these can be done with a who. Our job is to find the who that can do it and make sure that we put a system in place so it just is done consistently versus us doing it. But what's interesting, Dave, the reason we do it, at least the people I've I've spoken to about this, is it's either done A, out of habit, we just always done it, or B, we think somehow it can save us money. If I do my own bookkeeping, we'll save us money. Well, you're not a bookkeeper. So the reality is you're not saving money. You're probably losing thousands of dollars potentially. That's what happened in my case. Or we have this problem of letting go. We don't want to let go. We want to hold on to it almost as in if we begin to let go some of these things, we'll start losing our our identity. And when you start to lose your identity and you don't have a new identity to move into, it's scary. So we start holding on to these things because those things define us. But yeah, those are some of the things that we we want to give. Patient care. A lot of my clients are or people that I talk to that are like, you know what, Jamie, I've been there, done that with patient care. I'm ready to start, you know, letting go of some of that. So all of a sudden patient care, which was a high energy activity, um, now is turning into something that does not give them energy. So that is something that often they want to delegate to, to other people as well. Got it. Okay. So to recap the three biggest wins from this past year, what are the three biggest failures or struggles and what did you do about them? The three biggest lessons, making sure that you write out and be specific and how will those help you? And then after that, then what? So like how a practice owner will actually commit to doing XYZ in the future year, this upcoming year. You mentioned in the pre-interview consequences if they don't achieve these goals, things like that for the future now that we're looking into 2023. Yeah. So once you reflect back on 2022, you want to look ahead. And as Stephen Covey said in his book, Seven Habits of Highly successful people, he talked about uh, begin with the end in mind, right? What does that mean? We always begin with the outcome. And anytime we think about a problem, we're always beginning with the outcome. So we need to put ourselves at this time next year. So December 1st, December 31st, where do you want to be? What are three? You can do more if you'd like, but I like, I like three. What are three goals? Three objectives that you want to achieve, actually that you have to achieve that would make you feel most proud, make you feel good. So what are those three goals? And you want to take your time thinking about this because you're probably going to come up with, well, I want to do this. 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 Well, some of those aren't year goals. Some of those you can achieve in 30 days. So they might be a part of a bigger goal. So you want to start, you know, listing out all of the things that you want to achieve, the goals and objectives, 
and then ultimately come down to three really big ones. It could be another location or two, or it could be, I really like to add a half a million to our bottom line. I'd like to reduce my schedule, cut it in half in the next year. I'd like to add different uh, resources. I'd like to build a, ma- put a management team in. You write down the goal and then you describe why each goal is important to the success of the company. This forces you to keep your goal aligned with where your vision of the company is going. If you are not aligned, just like a spine, you and I know spines, when a spine is not aligned, over time, it will start to break down. So we have to make sure our goals for next year are always aligned with the vision we want for the company. Next, after you describe why it's important, describe, well, what are the consequences if you don't achieve this goal? What would be the consequences? So this helps you understand what the downsides are and really helps make this almost active, maybe a motivator for you. So if you don't do this, what could possibly happen to your business? This brings up all the other pitfalls that can happen. And then the third thing you want to do is, okay, so what specific actions do you need to take? What are the things that have to be in place for this thing to really happen? So this gets you into motion. What are the actions you have to take to achieve this goal, or at least to begin to achieve this goal? And then the last one that goes with the year ahead is um, what new practices, what new capabilities, what new skill sets will you have to do? you will have to develop to help you achieve the goals. This one's critical because when when we think about achieving, you know, next year is going to be our greatest year, what we don't often consider is what we have to do to grow as a business owner. Maybe we have to get better at developing our communication skills, our marketing skills, our copywriting skills, our interviewing skills, our ability to have really sometimes difficult conversations with our staff. Maybe we have to develop the thinking skills of how we look at our business. You see, this question really helps you start to determine where you have to grow as an owner. Because I'll tell you one thing, Dave, if you want to have next year your best year yet, I'll tell you how it's going to happen besides doing what I just shared with you. You're going to have to get better as an owner. Your ability to professionally get better or personally get better will determine how well you professionally get better. What's not going to happen is your business is going to get so much better, but you don't improve yourself. So this question is huge by looking at, well, what the skills or capabilities that you need to get better? Because you did this yourself, right? You just started this, this podcast, what, six months ago? Yeah, no, this year. Six months ago. So... You're like, okay, well, one of the things I want to do this year is start a podcast. Let me go down the list. Why is starting a podcast important? Well, because it helps get your name out there. It helps you create relationships with people and look for opportunities in your new venture, your new business. Okay, what are the consequences? If you don't do the podcast, well, the consequences, I may not get as many leads. I may not reach as many people. 
I'd have to look at other things I could do and fill in the time. So what specific actions do I need to do? Well, maybe I need to reach out to someone that, or maybe a few people that already has a podcast. Ask what worked well, what didn't. Maybe I reach out to someone that can help me create some of the theme and the episodes. Maybe I can reach out to someone to help me with some of the technical aspects of it. And then what practices or capabilities will I commit to developing to achieve my goals? Well, you learning actually how to be someone who interviews others, right? Because you've probably been on other people's stuff, but interviewing someone else is a very different skill set, isn't it? Sure. Absolutely. So these are things that you are now doing. And of course, look at the success you're having over the six months. So you've done this exercise. Unfortunately, not everyone stops, takes the time to actually plan their next year. Because when you do, the chances of you hitting ridiculous success is much higher and you become much more efficient and deliberate with how you spend your time. So we get out of this trading time for money and being overwhelmed all the time. So the, the last component of what new practices or capabilities would I or the practice owner listening, would you need to develop to achieve these goals? And that to me sounds like you'd have to step outside of your comfort zone. You have to do new stuff, find what new practices, what new capabilities does the practice owner either have to embark on, learn about, et cetera. So is that one of the stumbling blocks for a lot of practice owners? Either they they don't know what they don't know, or they have to take, it's more than just action, right? Right before that, you mentioned action and what, you know, what specific actions do you need to take? And that kind of helps create motion and momentum. But if really the stumbling block sounds like it would be new practices and capabilities that you needed to develop to achieve these goals, because if you're not stepping outside of your, outside of your comfort zone, I don't know how else you can grow, but that is the most challenging component of learning something new in business and private practice. Yeah. So it's a great point. How can you grow your business without growing? I mean, I, I had people literally ask me how, I mean, they don't say it in those words, but they're basically like, well, I want to grow my business, but I don't want to do anything uncomfortable or anything I'm not used to. So that's the definition of insanity in my world. So yes, your business growth is directly proportional to your personal growth. So all we have to do to create an amazing business is for us to develop us because everything around us is affected by us. Now, to your point, you said, well, Jamie, how do they even know what to work on? Maybe they don't even know the capability or skill they need to create. Well, you're right. And that's why I believe everyone needs guidance. Everybody needs an outside influencer in that seeing what they're, what they're doing. It's a coach. It's a mentor which are, in my world, very two different things. But I believe everyone needs a coach. I've had a coach for 15 years. I'll never not have a business coach because I don't know what I don't know. And I can't think outside of my existing thinking. So I don't know the skill I need. But when I describe my problem, my coach says, Jamie, you need to really improve this thing right here. So why don't you do this? Okay, well, how much time did I just save? How much is that skill going to help me develop my business? How much money am I going to generate because of that just little bit of advice that the coach gave me? This is the power of coaching. 
It helps guide you through things that you don't even realize you need that are critical. So other than that, I've never met a successful person that didn't have coaching and guidance on some level because how do we only think, how do we only think what we think? We have to think outside of that. So anyway, that, that, that part really kind of goes with not even knowing what to focus on because you can spend all day focusing on something, get really, really good at it. And that thing doesn't actually help you move closer to your goals. And it just makes sense to potentially work with a, a coach or have some type of a mentor who's been where you're looking to go, where you want to go. They've already been there. They've gone through the challenges, the the stumbling blocks, the turmoil, and and working with some type of a coach or mentor, it can shortcut your path to success because you can avoid their mistakes that they made. It's the fastest way to get to where you want to go is have someone. And again, there's a lot of someones out there. But to have someone that you connect with, that you understand and, and believe their philosophy and how they do things, and to invest in that person to help guide you where you want to go to get there faster. Because this is all about time. We want to get where we want to go faster because time is money. So you should be getting back a multiple return on whatever that investment is. If not, then that's a big problem. But it's the same way as people come to us as therapists, they're coming to us as we're their coach. They could try this on their own. They could look up YouTube videos on how to stretch themselves and crack their back and do all this other stuff. They come to us is because they're investing their time and money to get where they want to go faster. It's the same thing in business. So look at it that way. And in terms of this type of exercise that we're covering here on this episode, is there a component with with coaching your clients? There's like the component of accountability, so like they're sharing it with you, and then they're putting it. You know, they're like you said, some are recording their voice or their you know their audio or they're writing it down or journaling or whatever. But most folks, like folks that do that, like they got to be like really motivated to like do that themselves, and then actually reach those larger goals and achieve that practice success that they're looking for. And I would just bet that if there was a group uh, doing that on their own versus a group of practice owners that had some type of a coach or, you know, advisor or whatever, the ones that have some outside external accountability probably perform better. Like I have, like I have a health coach right now and it's a physical therapist. His name's Mike Laviolette and he creates, he does programming for me. He writes out my workouts. He knows the equipment that I have access to what days I want to work out. It happens to be all seven days, but you know, some heavy days, some lighter days, but I want to break a sweat every day. So we have this game plan and he just texted me like right before we recorded this, asking me how I was doing and and whatnot. And me knowing like, I have to check these things off. I have to, I love working out, but I have to go and, you know, do these reps and do these exercises and I have to check them off. And I know like for me, maybe it's not for everyone, but for me, I like that there's an, an external person that has access to that workout plan and I can either check things off or I don't. And if I forget a day or two of, of logging the workouts, he'll send me a video message or, or he'll call me or he'll text me and I'll say, Hey man, like, is everything all right? Like, did you tweak um, something? Like, are you hurt or, you know, or is there a tech issue with the app, which basically means like, Hey, why are you not logging your work, your workouts? So anyway, just a little ramble in regards to some external accountability, even on the health side. And I'm, you know, it's going to help the same thing on the business and practice management side. 
Yeah, it, it, what you said is really a great point. I, I have a little slogan says, the more you pay, the more you pay attention. I imagine you are paying this person. Yep, are you correct. paying for their expertise? Yeah, you know, they know some stuff, but I don't think what they're telling you is probably earth shattering. You're very familiar with exercise and health and all that. What you're paying for, and when 90% of the people that come into my program say they want, Jamie, I want accountability. I want to be held because if not, if it left on my own, I won't do it. Something else seemingly more important will come up. So part of what you pay for physical therapy is they're paying for accountability. I wonder how many of us realize that's actually the one of the benefits of physical therapy is the accountability portion. The patient, have, they have to schedule it into their into their calendar, you know, Tuesday, yep. Thursday at 5 p.m. Or what do they have to they have to schedule it? They have to, you know, leave work, leave their family, et cetera. They have to for us in New York City, we're, we're going to their home and their their apartment. But everywhere else, it's usually outpatient. So they're driving to your place. They're parking. I mean, it and it's so part it's, of the accountability. It's yeah. And they're and they're spending their time. They're working. They're spending their money. That's awesome. Because if they spend a lot of money and a lot of time, they're going to do it. If it doesn't cost anything, no value. No value, they won't do it. No do it, no accountability, no results. Mm. So this is all about accountability. Now, you also have to have proper guidance. If your person was an absolute moron, well, they could be all accountable in the world, but they're not going to help you. So it is having knowledge and understanding, but also having a way that yeah, you are accountable. So for this exercise right here, you you need to create some accountability for yourself. So right on your calendar, right now when you're listening to this, when will you block out time to go over your successes from last year, your failures from last year, your lessons you learned, what your goals or objectives are for this year, what three goals or objectives, why each goal is important, what happens if you don't move through? What are the consequences? And then what are some of the steps that you need to do to begin moving this forward? And what would be the skills or capabilities that you need? See, we can start that accountability out. We can be accountable to a level. But if you really want to get this going, it's hard to stay accountable to yourself because you will get distracted and something will come up. That's the hard part. So for people that take this stuff seriously, like building your business seriously or losing weight seriously or being healthy seriously or taking care of your injury seriously, for people that are serious about it, they look for the expert to help guide them through and to create accountability. That's the way it is. And that's the way it always will be. For people that are looking for a shortcut, that are trying to do it in the cheap way, it ends up costing you so much more in thinking like that. So... Anyways, you and I can go back and forth with that one, I'm sure, for a while. For sure. Let's say last last question, last component of this. Yes. Practice owners, how should they think about exit strategy, succession planning? Maybe they are just kind of hearing about some practices being bought or some practice owner colleagues at PPS uh, transitioning or exiting or even you know just taking some chips off the table and maybe selling some or all of their practice. How does that factor into yearly planning and the whole component of reflecting and, and all that, and then planning forward? Well, again, always begin with the end in mind. So in theory, 
we should be planning our exit strategy as we're planning on how to build and grow our business. Now, most people don't do that. I mean, I've never met someone that's actually doing that unless it's like one of these real you know, entrepreneurs and they're, they're looking to wrap it up and sell it in three years or, or something like that. But most practice owners aren't looking at it like that. But every year you create a business that is more stable, that's more organized, more efficient, more profitable, more protected against the what ifs out there. You create a business that's more valuable and your business is more valuable that it's worth more to someone like you and people looking to perhaps either purchase the business outright or you take some chips off the table and you, and you uh, perhaps sell a portion of the business to generate some revenue. So, you know, obviously, depending on what stage you're in on your business, you need to start looking at that. Now, if you just started your business yesterday, it might not be something you're looking at and need to look at. But if you've been in this for a little while, you know, five years, seven years, you need to start looking at what that is for you because you have to decide what do you want this business to be? How do you want this business to help support your life? Because the business is just a vehicle. The vehicle is a design to help support your life and the way you want to live. Well, I'm working with someone right now. She's very young. I mean, she's like 41 or something. She's looking to sell her business right now. So she's not in her 60s or 70s, but she, there's the next level that she wants to do. So she's selling her business, uh, looking to sell her business right now. So age isn't the thing. You don't have to do this for 35 years. There might be other things you want to do in this world, but each year you're creating a business that gives you options. Right now, and you and I were talking about this before we jumped on, right now, it just pains me to look at hardworking business owners that sacrifice so much and their business isn't worth crap. They are a slave to a business that no one will pay them anything for it. And it's not enough to retire on and you're just trapped. You know, to me, freedom is about choice. Have a choice and look at what you want. Maybe you want to sell in the next three years. Great. Reach out to someone that can help you build your business up and position it to be attractive to people. Or maybe you want to get some of the business off the table. But at the end of the day, you better have something valuable to sell. And EBITDA, you want to increase your EBITDA, you want to increase your profitability, and you want to increase how the business runs. And the more you're involved in the day-to-day, the less it's worth. You need to play a different game in your business. And that's what this is about. And the more people we can have doing that, the bigger impact we're going to make in our communities, the bigger and better our industry is going to be. And you don't have to have 100 clinics. You can do it with one clinic, two, three, four, five. But to me, that's what motivates me to want to do this and help people because this is what's going to move our industry forward. So anyways, I'll jump off my soapbox. And the audience, if you have not listened to Jamie's first episode, I can't remember which number it was, but he not only did he disclose like how much he exited his multi-site clinic for, but also he said in that first interview that when he stepped out of patient care, when he was removed out of the electronic medical record, he could no longer he could no longer see any patients. He was he could no longer treat and was no longer treating. And I don't remember the number, but the the profitability of your clinic, of your practice increased. And that's something that when you can come out of the day-to-day, you find out you can work on the practice rather than working in the practice. And 
the profitability of your practice can expand. And then you can either sell some or all of your practice, or you create something that you're treating less and you could be earning more and you don't necessarily have to sell it. Look what you just described, because this is what happened. So I created a business where I didn't have to be in the business. Like I didn't have to treat anybody. I didn't have to answer the phones. I didn't have to show up on Mondays. I was still meeting with my staff, supporting my staff, building relationships with people, looking for operate, looking for opportunities to generate additional revenue. Like I was still working, you know, working on my business. I just wasn't in there day in and day out. So what happened? My business went up 15 to 20% the following year. So that means I made more money. I was actually working less hours on my business, loving the stuff I was actually doing. Do you see a downside yet? None yet. Here's the real kicker. So when I went to sell my business three years later, so I finally created this kind of business in 2013, sold my business 2016. I got 60% more money for my business. So my business was worth uh, 1.4 million. If I didn't create the business the way I did, I would have gotten a 3X multiple. So 3X would have given me Oh, I don't know, uh, 750,000, maybe 800,000. I got a five X multiple. So instead of a three X, I got five X. That's 66% more money. So not only was I making more year in and year out, not only was I doing what I love to do in the business and having fun, not only did I have more time and be able to go away and do everything that I want to do, I made more money exiting out. And by the way, I didn't work one day in the business the day I sold it because I didn't need to be there. So they didn't need to retain me for a year or two or three. Some people were like, I can't believe you did. How did that happen? It's just tried and true how you build a business like this. So my question to you, the people that are listening is, how are you going to make 2023 your best year ever by a long shot? It starts with, asking some of these questions, really sitting down and thinking about this stuff because you can create whatever you want. There's not a lack of people that need your services and that need your help. You just need to elevate how you run your business. And by, by, by please get the heck out of the day-to-day. You got no place in there. There's other people talented that can do it. Start working and be an owner. Amen. Perfect place to pause. Jamie Schreier of Practice Freedom Method and Practice Freedom U. Jamie, for the audience, if they don't already know you, what's a good place for them to contact you? Website, email, LinkedIn. Uh, what's a good place? Yeah, go on my website, practicefreedomu, the letter U.com. Where I like to really work with most people is there's a quiz there. Just click on a button, take the quiz. The quiz asks you a series of questions on different aspects of your business and kind of gives you a score of where you are in your business. And then I provide resources to you to help improve those areas, whether it's marketing or or operations or financials and stuff like that. Start there. And of course, if you ever want to reach out, you can always reach out to me, jamie at practicefreedomu.com, or you can search for me on LinkedIn and message me there at Jamie Schreier. Excellent. Uh, the audience, if you guys find this valuable, copy and paste the link of this episode, send it to one colleague, one friend that's a practice owner that is a physical therapist, someone that is entrepreneurial, business-minded, and share that with one individual. Maybe you met them at PPS or APTA, CSM, where you met them somewhere, maybe in school, 
or some uh, Jamie Schreier uh, practice freedom event, something like that. Wherever, share it with one colleague. We would appreciate that. And that's all for the Dave Kittle Show. Jamie, thank you so much. Hey, it's Dave Kittle. Are you a healthcare business owner or physical therapy practice owner who is looking to figure out your succession plan or exit strategy? We might be able to help. And in fact, we may be interested in acquiring your practice. If you're interested, you can reach out to me. Shoot me an email at dave at conciergepainrelief.com. That's D-A-V-E at C-O-N-C-I-E-R-G-E, painrelief.com. Or you can call me at any time, 646-781-8884.